Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great and you've had a good start to the summer. So today's episode is going to be a little different. I was discussing with a friend of mine how crazy things have gotten and insane in this country, which obviously is on a lot of people's minds. And we were discussing the core values of the GOP and Trump, if you can call them values, and really that the core of this is white supremacy, right? The real, when you peel back the layers, it's white supremacy and even more than that, white Christian supremacy. And on that note, the Ezra Klein show has had a couple great episodes on these topics Uh, that I really recommend checking out. There's a link on my website, and you can just go to the Ezra Klein Show. He's had people on talking about the demographic change in terms of kind of ethnic and racial uh, makeup of the country, and then just recently had one on the religious makeup of the country. And so what we're going through here is a, a huge transition from a majority white Christian nation to a nation that is not only less white, but less Christian. And that's making a lot of people freak out. And that's really the core of the GOP, right? I've said that the GOP is a white grievance cult in the service of plutocracy. I think that description is incredibly accurate. And in our discussion, my friend and I, we were talking about how white supremacy is killing white people, right? That when you you know, when you sign on to this ideology, which really allows rich whites to kind of separate and divide and conquer the country, uh, and then you're willing, you know, to own the libs and to hate on brown people and immigrants, you're willing to give up health care and science and education, it, it, it really ends up harming a lot of white people. And so he asked me, he said, what would you say to Trump voters if you had a few minutes on, you know, Sean Hannity's show or some other, you know, news network for the right wing? And I thought about it and I came up with a couple short pitches that I would make if I had an audience of Trump voters, if I had that platform. And let me be clear here that I actually have spoken to Trump voters in, in the past, I, I know of some of them and I have come into contact with them and I have, I have used one or other forms of these pitches on them. And again, of course, I've never had a mass audience. I've never spoken to a large group of, of Trump voters or Republicans, but these have been more kind of anecdotal one-on-one kind of things. And I think from the feedback I've gotten, my approach some of the things I've said have actually kind of gotten through to them. I'm not saying that these people become liberal Democrats, but that at least I have been able to cut through some of the noise and the madness and uh, and speak to them. And so the pitches that I'm going to, 
you know, um, put forth here in this podcast are kind of an encapsulation of, of the key things that I think might be able to get through to, to some of these people. Uh, and so before I begin, I want to make a few quick points. The first is, is that we don't need Trump voters to win big in national elections. I really want to make that clear. We need the left to be united. And that's really the focus, underlying focus of this podcast, is the left needs to be united. And at the end of the day, every two years when we have national elections, vote for Democrats. Down the ballot, up and down, even if it's not your preferred candidate, because that Democrat is way, way, way better than that Republican. And that the, the not only, even if that Republican on an individual basis, you might think is a decent human being and has some good ideas, by voting for Republicans or not voting for Democrats and thereby increasing the chance of a Republican could win, you're giving power to the Republican Party and the ideology that is really standing in the way of progress. So the, the key point here is that there's enough of us without ever convincing a Trump voter um, to vote for a Democrat to win. And so that's really the focus. That being said, um, I think, you know, the, the national elections are a game of, of margins, right? It's a game of inches in some sense when we have really close elections. And I do think some GOP Trump voters are reachable. And, you know, we might as well try to reach them, right? We might as well try to reach them and, and increase our margins of victory. Another key point here is, is that many Trump voters and GOP voters are rich and educated. It's a myth and a lie and a fable that somehow the GOP Trump coalition is all, you know, poor, uneducated whites who are having a hard time in globalization and they're really angry and they're, you know, um, rising up. Remember, uh, Hillary Clinton won low-income people, period. Now, she didn't win low-income white people, and hence, coming back to this, the, the, the issue of white supremacy, but she, she won lower-income people. M more wealthy people voted for Trump, and more particularly wealthy white people. And the pitches that I'm going to put forth aren't really for them. Because if you're a rich white person sitting pretty in your mansion or your you know, nice middle-class home and you're voting for Trump, it's probably because of greed and that you just don't really care. You just want your tax cut. You don't want regulations. And, you know, to hell with everyone else on the planet. Those people are probably the toughest to reach. And, uh, and these pitches aren't necessarily uh, directed at them. And the final point I'll make is that I am under no illusion that many Trump GOP voters are reachable, at least reachable in the short term, right? If you've been listening to Rush Limbaugh on Fox News for decades and just been, you know, turned into a zombie through this propaganda of hate and rage and lies, you know, listening to someone like me for five minutes is not going to do much to change your mind, right? So that's the context in which I want to you know, set the table here for, for this, this, you know, episode. So with that being said, though, I'm going to start after the break with a kind of general pitch against white supremacy and for kind of justice and equality that I think might, might actually resonate with more Trump voters than, than you might anticipate. So after the break, we'll jump into that. And then after that, I'll do one specifically to religious voters because there is a, a large block of 
Republican voters that are just doing uh, voting for Republicans because of the abortion issue or because they think Christianity is under threat. And so I will I will have a specific pitch to them again uh, later in the program. I won't leave you drifting down, but whoa, it makes me wild. With 30 years upon my head, to have you call me child, ship up. Okay, so this is going to be my main pitch to Trump voters. Uh, if I had a few minutes on Sean Hannity's show or Tucker Carlson or Rush Limbaugh, obviously, you know, that's not going to happen. So suspend your disbelief, but just imagine that I did have that type of audience. And here we go. So hello, Trump GOP voters. You're probably angry about a lot of things, much of them directed at liberals like me, along with Mexicans, Guatemalans, the Chinese, Muslims, and many other groups that you think are destroying your way of life. Let me begin by saying that there are many good reasons to be upset about conditions in America that are legitimate, and many reasons to be angry about the current state of affairs. However, the Rush Limbaugh's, the Sean Hannity's, the Tucker Carlson, and the Trumps of the world have been taking you for a ride for a very long time. They don't really care about your well-being. They just want to keep you in a constant state of rage so that they can take advantage of you and divide the nation while they run to the bank with the spoils. And they are continuing in a long tradition of rich white men who have kept much of the country impoverished for centuries by a calculated strategy of divide and conquer. In fact, Trump and Hannity would find themselves in good company if they were uh, among slave owners in the 1600s who needed to find a way to keep poor whites distracted while they owned almost all of the land and almost all of the slaves. So what did they do? They created an ideology of white supremacy, which says that whites are superior to others and that no matter how poor a white person is, at least they're better off than blacks and others. And by promoting brutality against slaves, they channeled the frustrations of the lower classes to even those lower in the social order, allowing them to continue to accumulate and hoard all the wealth while the poor whites were distracted and took out their anger on the slave population. So this served their interests perfectly. They created an ideology of white supremacy that uh, helped enforce the slave order. It kept whites focused on people below them, and uh, they got to run to the bank. Now, fast forward a few hundred years, and the arguments are essentially unchanged. People on the right will get you all worked out about the others who are supposedly taking all of your wealth and status, when it is fact them who are rigging the tax code, the insurance industries, the retirement accounts to suck you dry. And ironically, think about it here. Trump is exactly one of these people. He is a con man. 
He inherited about $400 million from his dad, which if he had put into an S&P 500 index, would be way, way more money than he currently has. So Trump has been spent his life destroying wealth. He is not a great businessman. In fact, he's probably one of the worst businessmen in American history. And how has he done a lot of this? He's been conning people and suckering people. And he's famous for not paying even contractors, workers like yourself who work hard to build his properties, and then he stiffs them and doesn't pay them. So then when you complain about your conditions in life, though, the Trumps, the Hannity's, the Tucker Carlson's point to Mexicans or the Chinese or liberals and blame them, it's the same scam they've been running for hundreds of years. But sadly, it's still working as many of you are still buying the snake oil that they're selling. But you have the power to stop this cycle of madness and deception by refusing to believe anymore in the fundamental lie of white supremacy. Of course, the moment that I lose your attention, you know, when you and I'm no longer speaking to you, the usual suspects, including Trump, will tell you how I'm just a coastal elite who looks down on you and only they are on your side. They have the large megaphones, the dyed blonde talking head women, and the flashy headlines to convince you that they are your true friends. But when you're alone at night, I ask you, you're about to go to bed, and all the radios and TVs are turned off, ask yourself this, do these people really have your best interest in mind? Is it really a poor Guatemalan woman who's escaping violence and poverty who is harming you? Is it really poor Chinese workers slaving away in factories halfway around the world who threaten your way of life? Or is it the rich white bankers, insurance companies, and politicians who want to distract you so that they can take an ever greater share of America's wealth? Just look, the one thing Trump did in his first two years office when they had complete control of the government, they had the House, the Senate, and the presidency, and the courts, the one thing they did was a massive tax cut for the rich and corporations. And in fact, a third of that tax cut is going to foreigners because foreigners own American stock. Okay, And so not only did they give tax cuts to the rich, they even gave tax cuts to rich foreigners. That was the one big legislative accomplishment that they did in their first two years. So here's the bargain I'm willing to make with you. If you reject white supremacy and get behind the belief that all Americans are inherently equal and worthy of respect and a fair chance, and that includes all people, brown people, Asians, Latinos, women, gay and transgender, Muslim, all people, if you accept that they are all equal Americans and have an equal and fair chance, I will work hard to raise taxes on people like me in order to help pay for your medical care, education, job training, and expanding your social security. I will give more and fight for you if you reject white supremacy and particularly white Christian supremacy. But if you do not, let me make clear that if you continue to believe that white Christian men deserve more than other Americans, that they have a special place and deserve to hold most of the power, I will fight your ideology until my dying days, until this unjust and unfair ideology is forever destroyed. Because while I do not believe that any individual is ever irredeemable, I do believe that the ideology of white supremacy is. It must be destroyed. It is harming brown people, women, minorities, and also you, white people. It is wrong and must be stopped. I'd like you to help me end this ideology after its ugly 400-year reign on this continent 
but with or without your help, I will continue to fight. I'm on your side if you reject this racist worldview, but I will remain your opponent if you won't let it go. So there you go. That's my main pitch to uh, the Trump voter. And after the break, we'll switch to the particular religious voter, uh, the core religious right voter that is also a key constituency of the GOP. Okay, so this next pitch is to particularly hardcore religious voters, the religious right. So, what I am most amazed about, all of you who are, you know, religious conservatives, is the amount of anger and feeling of persecution, given that you believe that you are the chosen ones. Remember, if you are right about your worldview and your religion, you will have eternity in paradise to look forward to, showered with riches and wealth and, you know, these amazing blessings that God is going to bestow upon you. Isn't that enough to make you happy and calm and content in this world in these few short years that you have before an eternity of paradise? I get that other, you know, other things that people believe offend you, but so what? That's their choice and their freedom. If you have paradise to look forward to, why do you care what other people think for a few years here on planet Earth? And of all the things you focus on, what surprises me most is that poverty is not at the top of your list. It's what Jesus focused on almost exclusively. I'm not a religious Christian, but I've read the Bible many times, and I'm really amazed at how you know Jesus was a pretty hardcore social warrior for justice and, and against poverty and against you know, abuses of power. So if you really are trying to model your life, uh, you know, along Jesus's teachings, why aren't you focused on that? Why is it so much focus on, you know, gays and abortion and not on the, the larger issues of, of poverty? Um, a couple other questions I have for you. How come the most religious states and regions of the country are the harshest to the poor and vulnerable? How come the party of family values is ripping children away from their mothers and putting families in cages? Now, I know for many of you, it all comes down to the abortion issue. You think abortion is equivalent to the Holocaust, and therefore almost nothing else matters, and you're willing to turn a blind eye as long as you can vote for a party that wants to eliminate abortion. Well, first, I have, I have something that, that I need to share with you which is that your God is the biggest abortionist in the world. Now, don't, don't be offended here. Uh, this is just a scientific fact. Hundreds of millions of women every year have miscarriages. And that's your God ending the life of these embryos. So you may say that God has his reasons, but still, if you really believe those embryos are the moral equivalent of human beings, then your God is killing them. And that's, they're, he's killing way, way more than any amount of Planned Parenthood abortion clinics. Way more. It's hundreds of millions of miscarriages a year that are happening uh, to women all over the world year after year. But putting that aside, 
You are supposed to believe in small government. That's what the conservative worldview is. And nothing could be further from small government than a government that polices women's wombs. If you really want to eliminate all abortions, you will have to create the most intrusive police state the democratic world has ever seen. Is that really what you want? Wouldn't it be better to help women get birth control and education so they can control their own reproductive choices and make the need for abortions much less likely? There's a, an interesting study came out that as after the Trump administration blocked funding for international uh, agencies that provide abortion, but also other types of reproductive services, that the number of abortions actually went up. So by taking funding away from these reproductive rights groups, the number of abortions actually increased, although the, the, you know, your supposed aim is to decrease abortions. And for those who choose to have an abortion, many of the women who do go on to have other children. They maybe it was just they were too young, they were in school, they didn't have money, they didn't feel ready. But whatever it is, many women who have abortions go on to have other children. And those are children that they wouldn't have had if they were forced to carry to term the, 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 the ones that they you know, had an abortion for. And so the point being here is that, you know, it's not necessarily up to you to choose which children come into this world, but the women who have to carry them and care for them and, 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 and build their own families. The point here I'm making is it's very complicated. Uh, the issue of abortion is not clear and black and white as you would make it out to be. And so staking your whole worldview on this one issue, while climate change accelerates and threatens all of humanity, doesn't seem very wise to me. I get why the abortion issue is so important to you. But again, it's not as simple and clear cut as you would like to believe. Abortion has been legal for most of our country's history, and white women, especially those with means, have always had the options of abortion. If your whole worldview is consumed with making abortion illegal, that doesn't seem to make for a healthy politics or a healthy society. I know someone like me isn't going to convince you, but hopefully I've raised some issues that will make you think about it a little bit differently. Because abortion is not something that you consume all of your politics. It really distracts, I think, from a lot of the other things that religion could be aligned with that are quite good, like social justice and elimination of poverty and caring uh, for the sick and, and weary. And so I just ask you to think about it a little bit more differently and realize that it's not as straightforward as uh, many of your leaders would have you believe. Okay, so that's my pitch to the religious right. Maybe not particularly strongly persuasive, but I think there's a few points in there that might raise a few eyebrows and get at least those who are of the younger cohort to think a little, a little more broadly and maybe question whether putting abortion front and center of your whole worldview is really the right thing to do. So when I get back after the break, I'll talk about the antidote for today. Lay down my dear brothers, lay down and take your rest. I won't lay your head upon your Savior's breast. I love you, oh Jesus loves you the best. And I'll bet you good night, good night, good night. Okay, so I hope, you know, you got something out of these little pitches here uh, to make you think about how we might want to 
respond and, and direct argument to the really hardcore Trump GOP voters, even if most of the time it's going to be a failing effort, I think it's worth doing. And I want to reiterate that Hillary's big mistake was saying that people are irredeemable. No individuals are irredeemable. Even Trump, I will say this, if Trump uh, loses the election next year, hopefully he will be indicted the day he becomes a citizen and he will be convicted and uh, serve some jail time. And if he pays his dues to society and comes out, you know, 10 years from now after serving some time in federal prison and says, you know, I was... I was just caught up in the craziness. I never wanted to be president. And then I got consumed by it. And I, I realized, you know, that a lot of my, my bad behavior comes from, you know, my abusive father and whatever. You know, if, if he has some come to Jesus moment, I would forgive Trump, right? Even Trump, even a, a racist monster like Trump is redeemable if they are held to account and they change their views. That being said, there are ideologies that aren't redeemable. And the conservative ideology of white supremacy and minority rule, because again, that's what the GOP is about now. They're about enshrining white supremacy and minority rule on, on our nation. That ideology is irredeemable and must be defeated. So my antidote is to stay on the offense all the time and never to take a defensive posture. Right? We are on the right side. I am not saying that we have some you know, divine truth on our side. I'm not saying that we aren't fallible. But we on the left who want justice, who want equality, who want a strong safety net, who pay attention to facts and evidence, and who want to address the existential threat of climate change, we are on the right side of history. The right-wing ideology that is pervading America here spells doom for not only our country, but for the whole world. Because if we get into a kind of a populist arms race of racism and division and, you know, we don't take climate change seriously, this is not going to be a good future that we're going to be sharing. So right wing ideology must de be defeated in, for, in order for all of humanity to thrive. And we should be on the offensive all the time. Right. We should not take a defensive kind of passive crouch. We should be strong and confident in our views. And not everyone's going to listen. Not everyone's going to change their minds. But if we put forth a confident vision of the world consistently over you know years after years, decades after decades, we will win the arguments and we will be able to remake America in a, in a just fashion. So with that, everybody, if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher, and rate it. And with that, I hope you continue to have a great summer, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care.